Hello, friends, and welcome to the Print Design Podcast. My name is Dave Hopkins, and I am your host. I'm also the host of the Quickie Podcast and the founder of Print Design Academy. God, I'm excited to bring this show to you. I am a huge lover of print. I'm a huge lover. Just leave it there. I'm a huge lover. I love print, guys. It's just freaking fantastic. Going from that digital file on screen to holding something tangible in your hand. So I brought this show together to interview these graphic designers out there who have lots of experience in print. Different kinds of print, too, not just one. So today's guest is a screen print pro. He has been doing screen printing for years, has worked with some awesome names, um, done some really cool stuff, gig posters and things like that. Um, I'll let him share that. But I also wanted to let you know that if you want to start learning about print, right now I'm doing a free video series that gives you the intro elements, the intro pieces to get started with print design. From the terminology to understanding paper and how to pick the right paper, all the way to file prep. You know, the little things that you need to make sure you double check in your file before you send it off to the printer to make sure that's right. If you are interested in print design and want to get started on that path, go to printdesignacademy.com and sign up for this video series. It's completely free and God, you're going to learn some things. So today's guest is Jason Craig, also known as Jason the 29th on Instagram. He has been rocking the screen print world and doing just some incredible design work for years now, even though he says he's only been an expert for uh, you know five or six months or so. He's been in the game. He's been doing great work. And during this episode, we talk about his first interaction with print, the earliest memory he has with print, all the way to amazing print projects that he's seen to a couple of projects that he did in the screen print realm. And, uh, and how they got going and a deep dive into those projects. This interview was tons of fun. Jason is a riot to talk to and we've got some great things to share. So let's cue the music and get right to it. Here we go. Welcome to the Print Design Podcast, the show where we talk about all things print and packaging. We go behind the scenes with designers and talk about the print projects they designed that really rocked their world. From file prep to holding the finished product in their hand and all the key decisions in between. So let's talk ink on paper. Jason, my brother, so great to have you on the show. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing? I'm doing terrific. We were just chatting a little bit before we started recording. We're both uh, adjusting to new isolation life. Currently. That's right. Yeah, we're both in our flu shelters while we while we do this. <laughs> I love that, our <laughs> flu shelters. Awesome. So um, a lot of people know who you are and know the great work that you got going on. But let's, uh, just for the people who haven't discovered you yet, tell the listeners so, about yourself. So I am a graphic designer, illustrator, artist from uh, Augusta, Georgia, originally from the Midwest. I've been designing 
nonstop for 23 years now, I think it's been. Or 20, left the, left that chair. Yeah. No, I've been in the same chair. Actually, uh, this chair I have had for a while, but uh, no, I've, uh, I've been doing it since 1997. So I've been at it for a while. Uh, I've been good at it for not that long, but I, I keep trying to get better. <laughs> for uh, about five or six months, I've been pretty yeah, good at it. Yeah, five or six months. Well, I've, I've been faking my way through it. Uh, recently, <laughs> last uh, middle of last year, I became fully independent. So that means I don't have a have a boss or coworkers. It's just me, uh, which which I it was never my goal to do that. But it's just that's that's where. I have landed right now. I was working for myself, which I've had a great time doing, mm-hmm. and I've got some great clients that that really we have a mutual respect for each other, and it works out really well. That's awesome. I want to linger there just for a minute here. Okay. So you made that move pretty recently. What are some of the the unexpected things that you found by making that move? The the biggest one, well, there's two, and they're probably equal. One of them is the amount of support that I would actually get. Yeah. I, I had no idea. I kind of thought that the people I worked with were kind of maxed out, and I didn't really see that they would give me more work if I was just doing this full-time, but that wasn't true. So the people that I was already had a good relationship with really loaded me down with a lot of work as soon as they found out that I was committed. Sweet. And so that was something that was that was just – it wasn't surprising because they're great clients, but it was unexpected. Uh, the other is the amount of work I can get done through email and phone calls. I thought that I'd be having to leave here meeting people all the time and that I'd spend at least a day or two a week just in meetings and going out and talking to people and, and doing presentations and things. But really a lot of the people out here are they're busy too and they don't really want to see you any more than you want to see them and so <laughs> a lot of them an email or a phone call that's that's all they want because nobody it's universal that nobody likes meetings and so yeah that's that's surprising to me too and that works out perfect because once we're all released from isolation nobody's going to want to see anybody anyways that's right that's right <laughs> <laughs> we'll go right back to our previous social distancing awesome so with this being the print design podcast man i really want to dive into this print stuff yeah. i want to talk print i want to learn print i want to hear some stories from you and i want to start with way back in the day little jason mm-hmm. um Tell me your earliest memory of print or packaging, something maybe something from your childhood or teens. So the 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 thing that kind of always I was fascinated with were, were the the covers of VHS tapes at the video store. Oh yeah. So growing up in the Midwest, I mean, I remember whenever we rented our the VCR from the gas station that had the the tapes, you know, and so I just remember getting to walk through there. And seeing all the different stuff. And most of it was like the horror movie section. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of it was like Disney stuff too. But there was just so much uh, to look at. Yeah. You know, and, and a lot of times I wasn't even really interested in the movie itself. But the just the covers of those were incredible. And I almost had the whole store memorized. And that was a really, a really interesting way for me to... to be exposed to some different things that I wasn't that I, I'm just not going to see anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I distinctly remember those like blockbuster days where I would, uh-huh. you know, you spend an hour inside blockbuster walking right. around the aisles and oh man, the new releases, there's 30 copies, but they're all gone and you're, and you're moving right. down and then eventually you end up in like the dollar rental section where yeah. you're like all the old school movies. And, and I mean, if you think about it, 
like this would have been in the in the mid eighties and and even into the early nineties when all this was was popular and a lot of the covers of those VHS tapes were hand painted. They were basically the poster that you saw at the theater on the cover, mm-hmm. and it, it wasn't like today where it's just Nicolas Cage's face on a black background. <laughs> Although I imagine that would sell a lot. I'm sure it would, but it was <laughs> there was actual art on those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So true, man. I remember those. Great one. Um, now, what about recently, Jason? Have you have any recent interactions with print or packaging that you really enjoyed or stuck with you or you found memorable? So I've been doing some beer packaging lately, and I, I, it seems to be kind of beer and coffee seem to be the, the holy grails for designers. And so I've, yes. I've been able to work with a beer client here locally that is switching from bottles to cans. And, and I had originally done the bottle designs. Mm-hmm. And it, it was when they were starting out, and so they were very safe. It was, it was a kind of please accept us into the market type layout. Yeah. And they've switched to cans. So I, 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 I've done some heavy illustrative type stuff for the cans and just to try to compete on the shelf. And it's been very, very cool because getting those things approved and just knowing the the details of what goes into packaging. Packaging is, is not – a simple thing because it's so technical that you have to get all this stuff just right. Mm-hmm. And so just learning that stuff on those cans and, and you know, just the different sizes and, and what you name the beer and that you've got to have the place of origin and the address of the brewery. And, and there's just so much stuff that goes into that other than just making a pretty picture. So, did so it's you, cool to do that. So are you talking then you're producing printed cans for them or are you producing you know, like shrink sleeves for cans? They're going to be like they're the they uh, actually print the can, yeah. So full it's kind of cool. Cans. Right, it's full printed, and that adds an extra layer of coolness because you have a layer of white on those, and anything that you leave off white will have the silver showing through, and it'll give yeah. it a different texture. So I'm experimenting with that right now, and and just seeing what I can do as far as that white layer goes. Definitely, and that you can really interact with getting you know, different colors of metallics just naturally right. from the finish of the can, which is really cool. Exactly. Now, your illustrations you know, tend to be quite detailed. Illustrations in general tend to be fairly detailed. Yeah. Have you found any sort of questions or complications with the printer and the resolution that they print those cans at causing so, you to sort of have to not dumb down but sort of detail back your work? Right. Well, a lot of times, so I have a I have a publication background, and so I, I'm used, I used to print working at Alt Weekly, and we printed on the crummiest paper. You know, it's it's paper so cheap that you can give it away for free, <laughs> yes. and so from that, you just you learn so many tricks of how to make things that are printed bad look good. And yes. one of those is is just being mindful of those color channels and how many number you know your 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 total number in there of your saturation mm-hmm. and Obviously, if you have CMYK and you have a little bit of each one, that's just more chances for something to screw up. Yes. And so if you can limit those channels to one or two and then some black, it's just going to – you're going to be able to get away with a lot more. And I'm always really mindful of that. And, and it's it's funny because whenever I do color theory, I think of everything as numbers. Mm-hmm. And so I'm always looking at those percentages and all that. And that way, I'm just thinking about that end result. 
you know, obviously you would think like, oh, I want to make something as black as can be. I'll just fill all the channels with a hundred, but it doesn't work that way. <laughs> no, I mean, cause having been inside of the printer, when you open up a file and you have 400% ink coverage, right, you're just right. like, oh my gosh, this is going to be a nightmare. But a lot of right. designers, especially if they're newer to print design, don't, don't under, don't connect the dots between I'm at 400% of my file and I just want black out the back of that press there. Right. right. And and how the 400% affects that. Right. And right. it's true. And, and like going back to talking about the newspaper, if you put 400% black on a, on a piece of newsprint, it's going to be wet and wrinkly. <laughs> and, totally. and even if it did print, it would come off on your hands. And so those are the kind of things that I always think about when, when doing something. And honestly, to me, it's, it's a lot easier to make a good design look good on a bad print than to than to if you had a if you had me with a slick glossy magazine page I'd be like oh crap I gotta really I can't hide anything in this <laughs> because there's there's gonna be so high quality yeah exactly it's gonna be super smooth and you can't hide anything right perfect so what what do you think makes print so sort of sought after or special to designers a lot of designers seem to just love print and the idea of print. Well, I think that designers in general, we we all want validated in some way. Mm -hmm. And the best way that you can validate something that you've done is by holding it in your hand and, and being like, look, mom, put this on the refrigerator because it's real and I made it. <laughs> and and I, every single one of us, I, even web designers, I, I mean, we all want to hold something in our hand and say that we did that. Yeah. And, and I think that print design, whether it be a, a printed page, a a packaging, a can, whatever it is, just to be able to hold that thing up and, and say, this is real. It takes up space and has mass. Yeah. Uh, it just makes you feel like you did something. Yeah. Rather than, you know, and I can imagine the, the feeling of gratification being a lot higher than an Instagram ad. Right. Or, or, or a, or a sales deck or a presentation of some kind. Those are all very useful, mm -hmm. but there's just not too many designers that walk into a, a boardroom and, and point at the screen and be like, I did that. Yeah. <laughs> so you're going to buy the product. I did that deck. Right now on the flip side of that same thing, uh, uh, annual report or something. I, I've seen some annual reports where a designer just, it was like they had a year's worth of pent up you know, energy to let loose <laughs> on a, on a piece and, uh, a, a, an annual report will have 15 different processes on it. Yeah. And it's like, man, how many of these did you make? And I go, like, oh, I don't know. 50. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> Foil stamp throughout a hundred yeah, pages. They'll have vellum pages with transparencies and, and die cuts and embosses in the middle and spot colors and all kinds of stuff just for an annual report for a, you know, a company that makes airplane parts. Yeah. For like 50, 60 copies. Totally. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it's, and, and those are awesome. Cause totally. then you don't even, it might as well be in another language. You just look at the print. Oh, completely. I've been in designers offices where, you know, if they're packaging designers or they design a lot of shrink sleeves or printed cans, their wall is lined with wine bottles and cans and all kinds oh, yeah. of different things that they've designed. Um, dossier out in here in Vancouver was one of them. I was in recently and it's like, just looked awesome. So right. cool. They have a, basically a wine rack set up because they do a lot of work in the wine space and the variety of different labels and the story behind the labels and how they got there is super cool. And and then really that's the difference too is, is the difference between 
I printed a sticker and it went on a different surface versus I printed straight onto a bottle or I printed straight onto a can. It's just, it's just different, you know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. I hear you there, man. Um, so inspiration, when you're thinking of designing print or maybe it's a screen print poster, maybe it's a, you know, a can, a shrink sleeve, whatever it is, where do you look for inspiration and, and planning and sketching that? Like, is it different? Um, it, it's a little different. I mean, I, I kind of consider it like a, like a real world Pinterest board. Like I collect yeah. up all the things that I like and I have them sitting around. I mean, I, we're talking about cans where we we're talking about the printed cans. I have two cans sitting here. I have this, this liquid death can <laughs> where so they've, cool. where they've knocked out on a gold can to have that. And I've got this, uh, monster can where they've done the same. They've knocked out that silver. And so as soon as we started talking about, can process printing. I I looked around and I see like four or five examples, and I'm like, oh, okay, there's how they did that. There's how they did that, and that's what I do. I just collect a lot of stuff, and it's funny because, I, for instance, I'll be in another state and I'll get a a bag of fries, and I'll be like, all oh, these fries are in a little wax bag instead of a carton and it's like i'm going to keep this and i fold it up and like put it in my wallet I'm like this is important i need to make sure this gets back but i have all kinds of stuff and it's not too bad i'm not full-on hoarder um but things like die cuts like i will disassemble a die cut and i got a thing the other day it somebody got me a um a Nike gift card. Nice. And this Nike gift card was in a little shoe box. And when you opened it up, the, it was kind of sitting on a little tray upright. And I went to unfold this thing and it was all one piece. It was massive. This, I mean, it folded way out and then I, I, I'm going to try to get it back together, but it was just this incredible one color print with a die cut that was just so elegant and and just whoever thought of this was from outer space because it was too cool <laughs> for you know most people to even con comprehend that's so awesome when you said nike gift card i like my head kind of went like wouldn't it be cool if it was in a shoebox and then you said it's in a mini shoebox yeah that's incredible that, it's all one piece and just all folds out it was just so cool i'll say I'll, I'll have to send you a picture of it for the Please show notes because it was be just awesome. very 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 cool. But that's what I do. I have flat files just full of stuff that, and a lot of times it's just the feel of it. Yeah. And I just, and, and, and I just want to know what these things feel like because it just makes a huge difference to me, especially it's like a matte versus slick and like soft touch. And just, yeah. there's so many things that, that make you feel a certain way about what you're holding. And then you kind of regard it differently. Yes. No, I completely agree. And, and the, that Nike box with the gift card thing that speaks to, and, you know, I, I almost want to say the simplicity of what you can do with minimal print. Yeah. You know, you be creative with a dye line of something and you even just throw one color, even throw just the one Nike, Nike logo on there and black right on top yep. on a white paper or something or a craft paper even. And it's so it, it's jaw dropping because it's simple yet so complex in its in its assembly. Yeah, and it makes absolutely. It an experience. Absolutely. And, and a lot of times most people, they don't, they don't notice it because they're not nerds like we are. <laughs> yeah. That's consciously it's like how they perceive quality or how they perceive what's cool or, or anything or just function. And, and all that stuff really does make a difference even to non-designers. No, a hundred percent. Yeah. They may not know why they're enjoying their interaction with that piece and they might, <clears throat> might not dissect it or look further into why they're enjoying that. 
but they're getting something out of that experience. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas geeks like us, we're going to disassemble that. We're going to take apart. Oh, the yeah. line. We're going to go, Oh man, they did two spot colors on this crazy. <laughs> yeah. And then you're like, was this an in-house job or did they, did that somebody else do it? And then you're looking to see who posted it on their dribble page and <laughs> tell them you liked it. Yeah. You know, like nothing can just, we can't just keep everything simple. We have to like know how everything works. We must know. Absolutely. I must know. <laughs> So, Jason, what was the first print project that you were a part of, the very first one that you produced? Um, and have you been a part of one that didn't turn out as you'd hoped? So the very first print project, I mean, I've been I've been basically doing print my entire career. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started out in comic books, but but that was I was really just a cog in that in that wheel. And I and thing something was put in front of me and I made something and sent it back out. You know, and so I was kind of like one of the Keebler elves. Um, but I think that one of them early on that that kind of sticks out as as kind of a turning point for me, I was probably it was probably uh, the mid 2000s and I went to work for that all weekly I was talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. And when I went to the interview, they asked me if I used InDesign and I said, of course I use InDesign. You know, they're like, oh great. Cause I always use InDesign. I'd never opened InDesign before, <laughs> but I had it, you know, I had it. It came yeah. with creative suite back then. And so I had it, I just never used it. And so I got the job based on a lie and I went back to my other job and, and just opened up InDesign and started figuring it out. And, you know, the first time you open it, you're like, how do I make it? How do I make text? It won't type. And he's like, you got to make a text box. You know, so I've, I've figured out how to fake it, you know, within a couple of weeks. Uh-huh. So I got to this new job and there's, there was the first time I'd been on a design team, creative director, senior designer, and me, the junior designer. And uh, my title wasn't junior designer, but I was the junior designer. Yeah. And, uh, and they tasked me with this menu guide. And basically, salespeople would just bring in these menus, and I would have to rebuild them in InDesign. And we're making this huge guide. And so I just was so happy to have this new job. I was all fired up. I was just busting out work. I was making these menus. And they're like, I'm printing them. And they're like, oh, my God, you're doing them so fast. This is great. You know, this all your artwork you're finding is great for this stuff. And what they didn't know and what I didn't realize is that I was just like copying and pasting stuff here and there, not linking files, not worrying about if it was CMYK or RGB, not paying any attention to, to the grid or columns or margins or anything. You know, I was just throwing stuff up on a screen and making it look good and it had to go out to print. And so, you know, I didn't know how to pre-press these files. I didn't know anything about pre-flight or anything like that. And so whenever they took this massive menu guide I'd been working on for a week and a half and opened it to do the pre-flight, there was hundreds and hundreds of errors. I mean, there is <laughs> overset text, there is files missing, there was RGB, there was just all kinds of stuff, you know, I mean, it was, it was crazy. This, the, the mistakes that I had made and it was very apparent to them at that time that I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> um, they sat down with me and, and I explained to them that I, you know, taught myself in design in a week and they are like, okay, well let, let us just tell you a couple things, you know, m- mostly the difference between CMYK and RGB. Yeah. And, uh, I talked my way through it. I mean, I ended up being the senior or the creative director there, so uh, I figured it out. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was a big one because they were. It was like they were so like they thought that they had just hired like the perfect employee and I could just do all this stuff. And and at a certain point, I could, but 
I could also screw stuff up really bad because they gave me a lot of rope to, to screw up. <laughs> gave you a lot of rope to hang yourself. A lot of rope on that one, yeah. Jeez. I can imagine like the the person that was opening that and getting all those errors, they probably just thought they opened a virus or something. Their computer oh, yeah. was about to implode. And, and the thing was is like I didn't even understand at that point what he was talking about about the errors. You know, I'd never even heard of pre-flight before, you know. And so, uh, you know, it was just – it was well. It was just a learning experience, and then it, it was kind of like if somebody was three in the lake to learn to swim, you just drown. But then you had a second chance. <laughs> just drown, but you got a second yeah, chance. Yeah, drown, but then you got a second chance. That's awesome, man. Um, Jason, I want to chat a little bit now about um, some projects that you have been a part of that you're really excited about. Um, excited to share um, print related stuff. I. You know, I, I hope you got some screen print stuff for me or some cool stuff. Um, but I just want to open that up and I want to hear, yeah. I want to sort of unpack and dissect that project with, you. you know, how was papers and colors selected? How did the client even come to the conclusion they wanted to print something like give me the whole story, man. So a lot of times I think that, uh, you know, budget is always in print. Budget is going to be a concern. Yes. You know, and and a lot of people they don't come to, at you with a huge budget, but a lot of times you do have clients that come to you, and the, and the code word is usually I want this to look really nice. Yes. Yeah, and and that's what they say. They don't know what they mean. They just want it to look nice. And to them, a lot of times, nice means like the wedding invitation that they got last week that had like a silver lining on the on the envelope. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, you end up doing a lot of converted envelopes. And that's always a funny one because the the printer will call you up and be like, "You didn't need to convert this. We have these envelopes. You didn't you didn't just reinvent the envelope, cousin." <laughs> Nobody's uh, ever done this envelope. Yeah, no one will ever have thought of this <laughs> flap before. And, uh, and so I think we all end up doing a lot of converted envelopes. But uh, but a lot of times it's just I see a process and then I want to find a place for it. And a lot of times I, I'm really love. Um, like overprints, especially like a fluorescent overprint. Oh, yeah. uh, there's a lot of people that do that really well. I've, I've got a lot of stuff from a, a company called Lure in Florida that we was obsessed with, with overprinting stuff for a long time. And I have a lot of their stuff uh, sitting in my files and stuff like uh, an emboss, you know, or a deboss. Uh, I just look for places that are the, the, those things appeal to me and, and what client they will fit with. But I think my biggest thing that I like the, the most is, is screen printed, especially hand screen printed posters. Mm-hmm. Uh, I make them and I've been, I've been making, doing my own posters since uh, 2006 or seven, probably yeah. for a long time back whenever gig posters were just huge and, and they're just, yeah. And people were printing anything and everything and I'm still doing it. But, uh, uh, great story. So I worked at an agency and we weren't really an agency at that point. We we're kind of like a small design shop okay. and we screen printed posters and we had a couple venues that we worked with a couple promoters and we had a steady supply. It's just anytime there could be four or five posters that you could grab, design something and then go print it. And it was kind of like that. It was sort of like the, how they do a hatch where the designer is also the printer and, we did everything. We burned our own screens. We cleaned our own screens. We mixed our own ink. We did everything. And we did a lot. And that was that was really 
where I kind of got the momentum for the amount of screen printing that I wanted to do. And I wanted to do two or three posters a week besides all the design stuff I was doing. Mm -hmm. Well, we kind of grew as a company and pivoted to more of an, a, a full scale agency model. And I don't know how many agencies you've been at, but most of them are screen printing posters. Oh, so no, no. uh, <laughs> And, and so it just kind of went to the wayside and we, we tried to hang on to it for a while, but the stuff I was working on was just, it, it needed to have a lot more attention than I couldn't be screen printing posters basically. So we left that to interns for a while and then it just kind of fizzled out. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Aaron Draplin was coming to talk at our local ad fed mm -hmm. as he does. And he hit me up and he wanted to know if I'd do the poster for it. And I was like, of course I would. What are you going to say? No. No, yeah, not exactly. today. No, let me get my intern to do it. And so I said I would do it, and it kind of just lit a fire to where I was like, "Well, I want to really impress him, and and I want to print these and and make it just a cool project." And so I knew how to do everything. We'd already been doing it very bootleg way. We didn't have nice equipment or anything. I was like, "Well, if we got crappy equipment here, I can come up with the same crappy equipment at home." And so that's what I did. I set up my stuff in my garage, and the first thing I did was spec paper. Nice. So I went to the French website because then I was printing on French paper and uh, I still do a lot. But uh, uh, it was like 100 sheets for 75 bucks or something like that. I was like, no problem. And then shipping is like $55 or something. <laughs> I was like, holy crap. I was like, well, I better order some more paper. And the shipping just keeps going up. And I was like, on paper. And that is not a new complaint, by the way. Shipping on paper is something that everybody – can understand because it's just crazy. Nobody offers free shipping or anything. No, uh, they don't. They just don't. <laughs> It'd be easier for them to move the mill closer. Uh, but anyway, uh, I ordered this big pack of of like a pop tone orange uh, crush paper. You know that Draplin orange, and I did this cool illustration. He loved it, and and uh, I got to printing. Well, the first mistake I made, and, and it's so weird when you're doing stuff just for yourself, your mistakes like echo like if you're a, like that whole menu got us screwed up i just went home and I'm like oh learning experience but yeah. screwing up one little thing for yourself and you think about it for weeks and you dwell on it you try to fix it yes. and, and learn everything you can from it it's so weird and so i had put this little distress over the whole poster it's just so stupid to even talk about right now i put a distress over this whole sheet and i inked up the screen and i pulled it once and it was just just muddy black garbage over the whole thing. And I was like, what am I thinking? Why would you why would you try to put a little speckle distress over an entire sheet? And that's all it was, was just like a little speckles here and there. Yeah, yeah I should have just ordered paper that had little speckles in it if that's what I wanted. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh but anyhow, I did I pulled one and I was like, this is not gonna work. I couldn't even get my squeegee to hit it consistently. There's streaks all in it, missed one half. And so I cleaned out the screen. And I took a, a – if you're a screen printer, packing tape is, is the, one of the best things you can have around because, man, packing tape will save your life sometimes. And I sat there and just meticulously taped off all the little bits I wanted to keep and 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 sat there probably for about three hours just cutting off little pieces of packing tape and sticking them over that screen until I got rid of all that little distressy speckles that, that I didn't want anymore. Mm -hmm. And so – Printed the poster, took him to the thing, gave him to him. It was so cool to have uh, have him 
put my posters down on his merch table and he gets done talking and he's up there signing my poster and selling them to That's people. Cool. You know? And that was, that was a lot of fun. I'd known him before then, but, uh, but it was just cool to have him in my own town. Yeah. And so, uh, that was just, that was a good experience and it, and it got me set up to where it was like, well, now I've got the stuff to do posters. Yes. So almost immediately I got, I got hit up to do uh, Bubba Sparks poster. I think yeah. I talked about the Bubba Sparks one on your, on the last time I was on here. Uh, and uh, and it was another. It was like, okay, well, cool. I need some paper, and I looked. And I had that big old stack of orange paper, and you know, I didn't use it. I didn't even put a dent in it with the Draplin poster because it's a hundred sheets. I couldn't print a hundred posters, and uh, so I got that orange paper. And I was like, well, I want to do this cool design with like a tomato wearing biv overalls and make it real weird and country. And so I ordered this like bright red, like fire engine red paper. <laughs> yes. Same story. Shipping's a lot. I ordered like a hundred sheets of it. And now I've got this stack of orange paper and a stack of red paper. And so it's like the third design comes and I look at that orange and that red. I was like, I can't use this orange and red. You know, I don't want to be the guy that just keeps putting out orange posters or puts out red posters. And now I'm just like, it looks like a stack of money sitting there getting dust on it, you know. Yeah. And so then I learned, I was like, quit ordering exotic colors of paper. <laughs> like, just get some white. And so I did. I switched to like Madero Beach by French, and uh, it's got some like texture to it and some character, but it's basically white. And I could print five or six things, yeah. you know. So uh, I, I learned my lesson about order. I still have a lot of that orange and red paper, though. I, I, I use some of the red. I find places for the red, but that orange paper, I think I still have every single sheet that I didn't print for my first job. Uh, but yeah, and then through that that experience of of learning. And doing my own screen printing, eventually I outgrew the garage and had to find a place where I could where I could do some more work. And and that's how my studio Pink Slips kind of how I got involved with that. Uh, I was looking for something that I could do that in, and and so was my friend Jacob, and and we started Pink Slips. And so I've been doing that for uh, three and a half years at Pink Slips, and so I've got man, I've got thousands of sheets of paper. I've got all the ink. I've got screens. I've got everything to, I could, you can walk in there and come up with an idea and come out with printed posters. And that's a really cool thing. Uh, I've got into magazines with my screen printing. I've got into how and print magazine. Um, I've won some awards for it. You know, I did a really cool DJ Kubert poster that got into some design shows. So it's just it's just an interesting thing. And it kind of even led into me doing a lot of art prints that I sell at design conferences. Mm -hmm. So uh, one of the things that I learned being autonomous is that I don't necessarily have to have a band like an idea for me to make a poster. I can just if the idea is good, I'll just make the thing. And if people like it, they'll buy it. So <laughs> that's such a cool position to be in. It is. But I mean, at the same time, it, it took a, it was a long road. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's, 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 it's way, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a deep chapter in the book. <laughs> that's awesome. So you're saying you still have that orange paper kicking around in the garage there, eh? I guarantee I do. I guarantee it's still in the, it's probably still in the shrink wrap and it's still sitting there. I, I don't think I've ever printed another, uh, poster on orange paper 
Man, Joplin's got to hit you up and order some more of those posters. Yeah, he, he, yeah, yeah. Next time he's coming through, I'll just I'll throw something on that orange and and we'll make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. Um, on that Bubba Sparks project, how did that one yeah. come about? Was that just through a connection that you had, or was was um, who was involved in the you know the proofing of the design and that sort of thing? Gig posters is gig posters is it's kind of like it's it's sort of like digging for gold and you find that vein of gold and you keep digging through it and finding more and more. It, it's sort of like that. Like once you make one for somebody, like a lot of these promoters or managers or even venue owners, like once you do one, they'll just line up five or six. Yeah. And it was, it was kind of like that. So, uh, uh, I think that one, uh, Coco Rubio, he's a, he's a local guy here. He's sort of like the, the, the mayor of the downtown music scene. And, a lot of times he had hit you up to do these posts. He had an old venue called Sky City, which was just a really cool spot where we could have art shows. They they do concerts and all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so there was just always work to be done for them. And it, what was cool is that they would frame your posters and hang them up. And so I loved walking in there and you could just point all around and see all kinds of work that you'd done. And that they, they changed ownership and then it kind of became a different business a few years ago. So really missed that place. But, uh, uh, working with that, a lot of times it was like you would send the proof off or, or come up with a sketch. It was a lot easier to come up with a sketch, which the faster the better in that because these show posters and, and these people will move on really quick if you don't come up with an idea. And so just kind of sketch something a lot of times just on a post-it note and just text it back. and be like, What about this? Oh, cool. Do it. And then you design the thing, send it to them. And then a lot of times they would just clear it with the management. And management – you know, sometimes management is cool and sometimes management is a nightmare and usually nothing in between. And so <laughs> they would one just way either, or the other. Yeah. So they would either thumbs up it or thumbs down. And if it was a thumbs down, it's kind of like the wind was out of your sails. You know, it's like, well, I don't want to do anything then. Uh, depending on the band. I mean, I know I know some people do like Dave Matthews band posters and they would do 50 proofs if, if that's what they wanted. But uh, yeah. Bubba Sparks gets one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um but uh, it, and then it, it was cool because what I did is that was whenever I kind of started learning to be a little bit more efficient. And what I was doing is I was playing with transparent colors to where I was like, I'll print a white layer. And then what the green that prints over white is going to be green, but the green that prints over red is going to be almost black. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm getting three colors. I'm actually getting four colors because I got the white, the green, that blackish color, and the red of the paper with two screens. Mm-hmm. And so that was like a, a way that I could kind of give myself a challenge for each time I printed something. And that's what I did is every time that I would print something, I would come up with some kind of technical design challenge that nobody would ever really notice. I mean, they noticed, but they wouldn't know you know, that that's what, what I was doing. And that's where I got that, that overprint style where I create a third color. Cause mm-hmm. a lot of overprinting, it's more about the transparency, but whenever I do it, I'm, I'm wanting to cheat and make another color. Totally. That's such a great thing. You know, using the color of a paper, using colored paper to create additional elements, you know, even if you're only printing a two color job, using the color of the paper to print three, four, five colors in the job. Right, absolutely. Because the way yeah. that interacts with it. Yeah, and anybody that knows my work knows that I'm I'm a I'm a one and two color designer. I, I don't go crazy with color. I usually do I have black and white and then one high key color that, that will just pop. Yeah. And that's what I try to do. And so to be able to, to get a third color in there 
it's just kind of, it's almost like I found that gold. Yeah. That's awesome, man. So did you get any further feedback from doing those posters? Like, man, those are incredible. You knocked it out of the park or any sort of ROI. Cause the Draplin ones, they were selling those, right? Right. So the way that it would work uh, with a lot of gig posters, because a lot of these bands, they don't make a lot of money. I mean, Mm -hmm. we all think rock stars are rich and famous, but touring Mm -hmm. bands, they don't make a lot of money. And a lot of the money that they make comes from their merch table. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times what I would do is I would print the posters. I would take half of them to the venue. They'd put them on the merch table and then I would keep half of them or we would negotiate the number. And basically they would sell the po- they would sell their half and they would keep that money and then i would sell my half which for the first couple of years i just was accumulating all these posters like the draftland poster and the bubba sparks poster i still had a bunch of them mm-hmm. and i didn't have a website or anything and then these design conferences came along mm-hmm. and it was the first year that they did crop in baton rouge yeah. and uh crop is a great conference and matt dawson who runs that he's like yeah come down here i was gonna be one of the speakers and he's like bring bring your merch with you and, and sell your merch and i was like i don't really have merch you know in that <laughs> in that regard yeah and he's like he's like sure you do you got stuff bring it and i was like all i have is is old gig posters from sky city in augusta georgia and he's like, bring them. I was like, who's going to want these, right? Well, as it as it happened, you know, uh, I went down there and I had I had one box. My merch total that I took to Baton Rouge was one French paper box. It was probably about three quarters of the way full of posters. Laid them out on the table, and I went and I did my talk. And whenever I came back, it was really cool because I came back and I was sitting. My merch was next to Draplin's table, who you know is the king of of merch, the king of merch, <laughs> king of merch. And uh, and mine, I had one folding table with some prints on it. And so I got back, and there was a line of like forty people. Yeah. And like I didn't have change or anything. I was just I didn't think I'd sell anything. And so I went back to that table and just started selling stuff left and right. And I sold out of all those, the Bubba Sparks, the the Draplin. I had a um I think I had like a clutch and minus the bear. I had a bunch of band posters that I just people just started buying them and nothing was like geared to the conference or anything. Yeah. And so I sold almost all of them and then the next time, the next conference coming up, uh, I, I think that it was the, it might have been the next year. Mm-hmm. It might have been the, the following year that whenever it came time to go back to a conference and do a merch table, I didn't have all those old posters anymore. And so I had to make some stuff for the merch table. And I was like, what am I going to do? Like, I have to fill up this table with something that people are going to want. And that is where the actual physical manifestation of Crunk Friday came from. No way. That's exactly where it came from. So we'd been doing Crunk Friday for since 2001. But it was 2017 that I had to come up with something to fill a merch table. And so I called my friends that were in on the Crunk Friday thing. And I was like, look, I want to turn this into a brand. And I want to start making printed pieces. Is that cool with y'all? And they were like, yeah, just make some for us. And I was like, yeah, of course. I was like, all the shirts are going to be for you guys. I'm just going to sell them out on the road too. And so that's where that came from. That's where the the skull prints and the the all the Crunk Friday stuff, all the T-shirts, they all came from a need to fill up a merch table 
after I'd sold all those screen prints. No way. The origins of Crunk Friday. That's exactly what it was. And if and honestly, if, if Matt Dawson hadn't had talked me into bringing that box of posters, I probably would have never got into the merch game. I'd probably still be sitting on all those posters wondering what I'm going to do with them. Yeah. And it just it just worked out that way. Man, that's crazy. I didn't know that. So before that 2017, like, oh, damn, I need some merch. Crunk Friday was just like you and the buds. Exactly. I mean, it was like this. I was, it's, it was, it was from back, you know, in the early two thousands, there wasn't design teams. Like every, every big company had a designer and they just kind of put you in the back room with Milton and, and, you know, you're just back there by the, by the microwave in a cubicle. (laughs) And it's like, just stay back here. Don't, don't let anybody see you. And that was just kind of how our existence was because design wasn't sexy. You had to go work where somebody could afford the computer and that's, that's where you were stuck. And so, uh, and so, yeah, we uh, we all would talk on like this launch cast that Yahoo had where you could play videos for each other. And there was a whole bunch of us that just stuck in different office jobs. And we would just on Fridays, we would all kind of play music for each other. And that was that was Crunk Friday. That was all it was. It was just like it was like the last day of work. Get excited about it so we can all go out for the weekend. That's amazing. <laughs> I yeah. did not know that that's how Crunk Friday came to be. Yeah. Now, I mean, I've done. I mean, I've had to I've had to rearrange my office to have a shipping department because now it's I, I've got my website and I ship out I ship out Crunk Friday shirts almost every single day. So you are the CEO, the head shipper, the designer, <laughs> the janitor. Yes, that's right. The janitor, the comptroller, I'm everything. The only thing I'm not, I don't print shirts. So I, I've I know so many I know so many really good apparel printers that I have, I have no desire to print my own shirts. I know a lot of people are like, Oh, wouldn't it be great if you were doing that? I was like, nah, if I (laughs) screw up a sheet of paper, I can call it art. If, if if a t-shirt's not perfect, nobody wants it. Yeah. So that's why I see a shirt costs a lot more than a sheet of paper. Sure does, man. Well, when you count in shipping. Yeah. When you count in shipping, (laughs) most of your cost is shipping (laughs) on a sheet of paper. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, that's so cool. I did not know the origins of that. So that's um, it. That's it. Jason, I want to ask you now, what advice would you give a designer who is new to print or wanting to get started with print design? Where, where should they start? What should they learn first? The, honestly, the first thing they should do is go see how this stuff is made. Mm-hmm. I, I love going into the print shop. I, my friend Christian lets me come in. I mean, he lets, he's just like, come in the side door, come in the employee entrance if you ever want anything. Uh, and so I love going in there and there's just machines running. There's people everywhere doing stuff. And it's like, go in there and find out what those people are doing. Find out the names of those machines. Find out how they work. Well, because yeah. w- w- like it goes back to like the converted envelope. We sit here, look at a screen, and we think that we're inventing everything. And then all of us, you take 10 designers that are sitting by themselves. They all think they're inventing something, and then they, all 10 of them send it to the same printer. He sees everything. And so that 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 print manager is – he is like the 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 – the, the all-seeing eye yes. of design. He sees the good, he sees the bad, he sees the ugly, and and these people know what looks good. They know what works well together. And I've had where like the print guy called me up and he's like, "Hey, what if you did this? What if you did this whole thing uh, vertical instead of landscape?" You know. And at first, I'm just like, "Man, who are you to tell me what to do? You're not a designer." And then I switched around, look at it, I'm like, 
man, that looks pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) You know? And and so a lot of times like they're doing the same thing. They're coming up with ideas. Like they want to try stuff. And, Mm -hmm. and if you can connect with them, it's just, man, you can form like Voltron and make some cool stuff, but you have to go in there and see how that stuff gets made. You have to see the people that got ink all over their fingers. And you have to understand that it's not like hitting print on your laser printer. You're not just paying somebody to, to run, to hit go on a machine. These these people that make all this cool stuff that we collect, they're more responsible for it than we are. Mm-hmm. All we're doing is making choices. They're making it possible. Yeah. And I say, get up and go down there and, and just go be nosy. Go bug them. They don't care. They'll tell you all about it. They love talking about this stuff. Yeah. And a lot of these places are running 24 hours a day. They love to talk to people that that are excited about what they do. Mm-hmm. So, and I mean, look at the box. That's, that's why I like, that's how I found out about uh, French papers, like walking through a place and I saw reams, like, like just reams of French and it had that Charles Anderson design on it. And I'm like, Whoa, what is that? And I walked over and looked at the packaging the paper was in and I was like, can I have this? And like, you want the wrapper off the paper? I was like, (laughs) yeah, please. And so I, for in the, in the late nineties, I had a ton of just scraps of packaging from Charles Anderson stuff and eventually figured out the French and got like my first uh, little sample books. That's so cool. And that, you know, but yeah. that's so true. Go in there and see how it's made because if you and can't smell it, yeah, like the smell of a print shop and the noise, it's, it's, it's another, it goes back to that thing being real. Yeah. The, how were things made? How were things created? Because understanding exactly. the process gives you a better understanding of how to make your design take advantage of that process. Exactly. And what's really cool is I'll take a stack of I'll take a stack of prints that I've just done over there and they'll cut them down for me and they're as fascinated with my process as I am with theirs and yeah. and I'll have a one color screen print and they'll be like, "So how did you do this?" and, and I'll explain it to them and they're like, "We just want to come and see how you're doing this because we just can't we can't figure out how you're doing this in a garage." Yeah. And it's like, "Oh, it's easy." It's a really good way to to make stuff real because we we spend so much time looking at pixels, yeah. And you just got to get out in the world and see how stuff is really made. Oh, hundred percent, so true. And I find that, um, you know, when I get a file in or something, you know, when I was working in print, I would say to the designer, "Hey, do you want to come for a press check for this?" Like, what do you mean? What's a press check? Right, man. That's your opportunity to come into my house to see how this yeah. is all made and to give your stamp of approval before we yeah. run, you know, all 20,000 of these things. Right. And sometimes that's their first time inside a printer. Yeah, it is. And, and a lot of times like a uh, press check is a great time. It's exactly right. And when you go in there and you're looking at that big sheet and there's all that, all that stuff on the side, those little color bars and little, little yeah. crosshairs and stuff ask him what that is. Don't just, don't just pretend like you know what that stuff is. <laughs> ask him. Be like, what is that little thing right there? And they'll be like, Oh, that's how we know that it's in or out of registration. That's how, you know, mm-hmm. that's how we know what colors are being printed. That's how we know that's the file name. Ask him that stuff. Learn. Yeah. Don't be embarrassed. And you know, I mean, I didn't know what a folio was. They kept, I was at the newspaper and they kept talking about the folio, the folio. And I was like, what in the hell is the folio? <laughs> and of course I didn't think just to Google it, but it was just like, I, it took me like three weeks to figure out what the folio was, yeah. you know? And so, uh, ask questions. Yeah. I've had that same conversation about, um, booklets. Like, you know, you do your printed signatures of your multi-page booklets 
and they're folded down to like the correct page order. But right. when you're looking at it as a flat sheet, you got page 20 down here. You got 21 yeah. way up you over flip here. It over. You're like, what? Yeah. This doesn't make any sense. How do these line up? And then you show them it folds like this, like this, like this, like this, trim these off. And there you go. It's in page right. order. And and then there's sometimes, you know, the printer will call you and he'll be like, hey, you got so many pages, it's going to creep and it's going to kind of bail you out. You need to trim that edge. Just stuff like that. The, the computer is not going to tell you that. No. Computer's not going to tell you if you make a 60-page booklet that it's going to have a weird angle, you know, whenever the, the, the spine starts smooshing in on itself <laughs> and that you have to trim those things for it to look good at all. Yeah, definitely. No, I completely so, agree with that. So, yeah, the best advice I could give to any designer is get to know the person that is doing your printing. Yes. And and, and form a good relationship with them. I, I, I take my guy's stakes and stuff all the time. Anytime that he will let me thank him in any kind of way I do. And a lot of times he won't let me, but if I can, if I can grill him a steak, I do. I love that. Take him a steak. <laughs> I will. And and he's such a cool guy that like, if I take if it, he'll, he'll trim down all my posters on the day of, a, I'll be ready to go to a conference and he will trim down all my stuff. Just drop everything and trim all this stuff down. And then I'll like get him a steak and then he'll insist on having me over for dinner to pay me back. And I was like, I'm trying to get even with you <laughs> and you keep throwing it back. And <laughs> yeah, you won't let me get working brothers. It's like, oh, it's just, it, cause, cause to him, it's just his job. It's how he treats everybody. Yeah. But you know, I, I just, it's a lot different to have that kind of relationship with your printer than it is to just send something off to an online printer, get it in the mail, you open it up and, and it's like, Oh, cool. Yeah. It, they did the job. Yeah. Totally agree. So, well, Jason, I have on the – for the Quickie Podcast, I have this question called the Ask It Forward question. Yes. That's where my guest can ask a question of the next guest, and it sort of keeps this thing going. I wanted to try something a little different with this print design podcast here. So I have an Ask the Audience question. Now, this is where you get the chance to ask a question of the audience, and we take the engagement over to Instagram, and we you know, end the post about this show – Mm -hmm. uh, and about this question, that's where we'll have the question answers and people answering and, you know, building this little community around each episode. So as the inaugural interviewee, what is your ask the audience question, Jason? First of all, I am the first guest on this podcast. You are the first. I got three more right after you here, but you're the you first. You did not. You should have told. I would have, I would have put on a cleaner shirt. And then that. <laughs> no, I wanted you. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> Um, well, thank you for having me as the inaugural guest. First of all, that I, I really do appreciate that. Uh, so my question for the audience, uh, going back to what I was saying about the VHS tapes, I can vividly remember what covers I looked at and I looked forward to going back to the video store to look at those. Uh, I know not everybody listening to your podcast was probably even alive when they had video stores. <laughs> so I'll kind of amend the question, but what was the, what was the first cover uh, it could be album cover, uh, CD cover, VHS, DVD, magazine cover, book cover. What yeah. cover do you just remember looking at and being like, man, that's that's cool. I, and, and really seeing it. A buddy of mine, uh, Leonard, he always talks about how his he knew he wanted to be a, a graphic designer yeah. when his sister got him Amy Grant tape. And it had oh, yes. four different covers. You know? and, and so I think that a lot of us – can trace back to stuff like that. Yeah. So I want to know what the one was. What was the one thing that you saw 
that was different. Because I mean, I, I remember getting that that Metallica Black album CD, Metallica and uh, it's like printed black on black. And I remember thinking that they screwed it up. I was like, I opened it up. I was like, man, this is like a misprint. And I didn't know anything about printing. I was like ten years old. I was like, it's like a misprint I got here. <laughs> And so that yeah stuff like that, but that's what I want to know. I want to know what one that what one kind of sticks with them. Okay, do you want to hear my answers? Yeah, absolutely. I got, I got two two albums that stand out to me. The first one um, was my first ever CD purchase. First ever, it was the Presidents of the United States of America. Yeah, and I want to get the album right here. Uh, so I'm just going to look this up real quick here. Is that the one with the frogs on the tree? Or something. It's like a little puppet show thing. It's weird. Um, it was. Get the images here. No, it was. I think it was self-titled. It was the. It was the the golden frog playing the saxophone and the yeah, yeah. like the golden statues. Yeah, that that one. <clears throat> yeah, it was weird. It was like a little maquette thing. There's like little. There's like a frog. I remember there being a, a frog. Yeah, like a frog self- front and yeah. center, like playing an yeah. instrument. Yeah. And then the second one was um, Big Willie style, Will Smith. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Do you remember that one? <laughs> yeah. Dude, I had this little CD player and I would put the CD in and I would just be rapping along. Yeah. <laughs> I just love Big Willie style, man. Well, I would be lying. As I was in my emerging in my career, that's whenever all the like No Limit albums came out with the lenticular CD covers. Oh, yeah. And- and like every month, uh, there would be new ones, and I, I I don't care what anybody says. That stuff was that stuff changed a lot for a lot of people. That was the first like bling stuff. That was the first like anything like that. And regardless how dated it was, it yeah. was it was perfect for that time. <laughs> That's so awesome. I love that reminiscing on the old albums that like just got us jazzed up. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I've been, I've actually lately, uh, I'm trying to under this, under this, uh, social distancing stuff that we're doing, I've been trying to up my skills and, and do some more painterly type stuff mm-hmm. because I want to be able to offer just more to my clients, you know? So if there is a beer packaging that wants something that's photorealistic, I'll be able to show something that I've done like that. Yeah. And the way I've been doing that is by just doing, uh, album covers, kind of like their figure drawings. And so it works really well because the albums are big. I can kind of set it in front of me and then with the iPad, I can look up and look down. So I'm not, I'm not doing a photo reference. Mm -hmm. I'm doing it where I'm actually looking at the physical thing and then, and then drawing it the best that I can. And I'm trying to get really good at that, but album covers, I found it are a really good way to do that because they're all, really well thought out they're they're difficult and now that uh, now i'm saying that i think that i've got one that i can do is that the the cars whichever cars album had all the airbrush stuff on it and like the airbrush bomber girls looking stuff like that would be a really hard one to draw from just looking at it so you know it's just stuff like that like i think album covers are just they're very influential definitely Man, that's so awesome. I love that, Jason. That is the end of the Print Design Podcast. Just want to take a second here to thank you so much for being on the show here. Thank you for sharing you know, your passion for print and the stories that and um, experiences that you've had with it, both wins and fails. So I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. I look forward to the print version of this podcast coming out. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> Challenge accepted. All right, all right, everybody. That was Jason Craig at Jason the 29th on Instagram. 
Now, you got me thinking the print version of this podcast. How can I pull that off? How can I pull that off in real life? If you got any ideas, hit me up. So on Instagram, we are posting the ask the audience question that is there. I want to hear from you. What was the first cover, whether that be an album, a magazine, a DVD, a VHS, a book, the first cover that you saw that you went, damn, that's cool. What was the first one that you remember? Jason gave some examples. I gave some examples. Head over to Instagram, print design underscore academy and answer that question in the comments there. Let us know what is the first cover. Jason will also be hopping in there and uh, commenting on what uh, what you put, what your answer is. So make it good. Thanks, and we'll see you later.